Niao is Kanagaguego while you're out there in Radio Land. You're listening to Gaino. If you're tuning in for the first time today, Gaino is a Seneca word for music or song. I'm your host, Brett, maybe. Today's episode is all about my dear friend, Joanne Shenandoah. Today is a special tribute, and I've quite frankly been putting this introduction off until the last minute, sitting in my studio during a windstorm, and I'm thinking about my dear friend Joanne Shenandoah. As you may have already heard, Joanne passed away at the age of 64 on November 22nd. Joanne was born to the Wolf Clan of the Oneida Nation and leaves behind an incredible legacy. She's survived by her husband, Doug, daughter, Leah, grandson, Ryder. One thinks for certain, her legacy is in good hands. She inspired many. She was a once in a 500 year kind of woman. And she passed a couple days after my birthday. This year, I happen to celebrate that during the longest partial lunar eclipse in five, 600 years. And the events that evening and in the following days, certainly leading up to Joanne's passing and uh, even a couple days after, really caused me to pause and reflect on the traditions and stories with which we've been tangled with for eons. Because of that, because of my relationship with her and some of the other unfoldings I feel happening within the teachings, she holds a special place for me among the ancestors now. We have unfinished business, her and I. We continue to make plans 
up until shortly before she passed away. We're not necessarily going to stop those now. Although, needless to say, those collaborations will take on a little bit of a different form now. And so today's a tribute for my friend and mentor. We're going to hear from her daughter, Leah, before this tribute is up. Also going to be chatting with the founder and CEO of the Native American Music Awards, Ellen Bello, a longtime friend of Joanne. Joanne was a part of the first Native American Music Awards, and as of the time of this recording, at least, she is a part of the last Native American Music Awards as well. Now, the good news is there's a nomination round going on, and going to do something. But of course, because of the COVID pandemic, the last award show was November 2019. I got to share a lot of great moments with my friend there. I got to watch her interact in cute ways with Wes Studi. He was there that night as well. And it was fitting that Joanne performed a tribute herself for the murdered and missing indigenous women and girls at that event. You could certainly consider her involvement in some of the bookends, at least for me. The bookends on an important chapter in the foundation of the Native American music scene. I'm already worried that there's going to be more talking than music today, although I'm not sure that's necessarily a bad thing. has some fantastic recollections of a magical woman. And of course, gonna be featuring a few of her timeless classics as well. And heck, I'll even include one that I got to perform with her on. We did a live stream event in the summer of 2020. We performed her song, When the Eagle Cries. I was supposed to do Another show with her in October, of course, my family and myself ended up coming down with COVID and I was in quarantine during that time. And as it would turn out, we never got the opportunity to do another event like that. But I feel her with me. I felt her right away. And if you had any kind of relationship with her, I'm sure you've had things happen as well. It's not an accident. Be back in just a few with Ellen. In the meantime, turn it up and sing along. You're listening to Gino. I am standing on the edge of wondering where to go. Love and hatred fill my being torn in this world of woe what happened to the love we knew and the way we cared back then prophecies are coming but this will not be the end. 
morning, Joanne. How are you doing today? Good morning, Brett. Great to talk to you, and thanks for having me on the air. I'm doing wonderful. I, the latest word I love to say is grand, because I'm so happy to be a grandmother, uh-huh. <laughs> and then also a new grandmother. But also, you know, uh, thinking on that song specifically, we will rise up. As we look around the world and we see the devastation and serious ecological change, um, I am inspired to help people find hope. Uh, One project that I'm on, which will be coming out very soon, you'll hear about, is a project with artists like Roseanne Cash, um, spearheaded by people like Jane Goodall. And I'll be on a downloadable album for people around the world who are going to adopt a pet who has been been affected by any kind of ecological uh, devastation, such as floods or whatever, um, mind you. And um, that's coming up. Uh, something I try to do is uh, in my own life, and that's helped me heal through the latest um, difficult time that I had in 2014 and 15, while serving for the Attorney General on our Native children exposed to violence, was to be able to give people hope, to be able to sing songs of hope, to be able to realize that we have a way as Haudenosaunee Iroquois people to be able to bring messages of peace, of hope, and of love, and to have people realize that we are part of the earth. We are the earth. So we're not separate from it. And uh, with all those messages, um, you know, I, I find that the world is thirsty for it. So I'm very tickled to be able to be part of this time and uh, from my generation of some of the elders that gave me such beautiful wisdom and beautiful words and uh, inspiration and um, advice, support, and that's how our elders are. They're just amazing. This song is dedicated to the missing and murdered indigenous women. Mason Disu, our creator, bring them home. Um 
Welcome back to this very special edition of Gyno. Today, we're remembering not only the matriarch of the Wolf Clan with the Oneida Nation, but also a matriarch in the Native American music scene as well. Of course, we're talking about Joanne Shenandoah. We're remembering her life and her legacy. And I figured there's no one better that I could talk to today, as I was mentioning earlier, than the founder and CEO of the Native American Music Awards, Ellen Bello. They've worked side-by-side for decades in this important work, and uh, welcome to Gyno today, Ellen. It's great to catch up with you. Thank you so much, Brett. It's great to be here and to hear your voice once again. It's been way too long. We were already talking. We're going into our third year since the last Native American Music Awards. Time was supposed to slow down. It certainly hasn't. 
but you know it, it's great to catch up nonetheless albeit in uh, these tragic circumstances as well and uh, you you worked with Joanne for a long time and it's my understanding you possibly don't even know just how long it is yeah that's very true I mean uh, God I can't even tell you when I first encountered her I, it predates uh, my founding of NAMA she certainly you know was known as the premier Native American musician in the state of New York no less um, had an existing recording career mm. um, you know I had worked in the mainstream music industry and then became involved with Native American music. And I know, I think her first album, her debut, was in 1989. So I had to know who she was, um, even before meeting her, just based on her track record and her recording career. So pretty incredible. Um, And not too many artists had that kind of established recording career uh, pre-NAMA. You know, there was a handful, um, but it was, you know, she was just incredible from the moment I learned of her, yeah. um, you know, to the end. You mentioned that uh, one of your earliest memories also involves Willie Nelson. Yeah, I was wondering if you would care to uh, share it a little bit more. Sure. I, you know, when I was, you know, going back in my head trying to re- recall the first time I did meet Joanne, it brings me uh, backstage at a Willie Nelson show at Foxwoods Resort Casino, where we eventually had our first award show. Um, she must have invited me, because I don't know why else I would have been there. I wasn't working with Willie or anything. But I just remember this huge cloud of smoke and, you know, the smell of pot. And there's Joanne in the middle, just bright and clear as can be. And I, I recall, you know, her just sitting down with her guitar and singing a song and I I just remember how amazing I think that was the first time I actually heard her perform live how amazing and and clear and beautiful um she sounded you know just with a guitar right in person so that that kind of brings me to my first live impression of Joanne which is certainly a good one there's no bad impressions of her um through the time I've known her but that certainly was pre-NAMA time for sure <laughs> most definitely and uh you both are trailblazers in the native american music scene and you two uh most definitely work side by side in helping the word to get out yeah yeah i you know there was an instant connection uh with both of us her as a trailblazer as a female uh native american recording artist me as the trailblazer of wanting more in the mainstream music industry for the artist so um there was an immediate bond between us and, and constant conversations. And when I finally took the step to form NAMA, um, and it started as the association first with the intent to create our own award show and subsequently then a Grammy category and so on, um, she was right there by my side with all her encouragement, all her support. Um, and I, I still remember you know, her first performance at our first show, and it was chilling and mesmerizing. And everyone, I remember in the room, just said, something special just happened here. Like, everyone felt it. Um, And she later told me that she felt she was singing with her ancestors on stage, and I certainly believe that. Um, But I do remember after the show, her on one side 
of me, and the other was John Trudell, the two of them. Just, wow. you know, my, it, it's just incredible, and they're both gone, and it's very hard for me to even register that because huge, huge losses, both personally and professionally. I couldn't agree more. And Ellen, uh, I think it's uh, beautifully fitting that she was also one of the highlights of uh, an amazing show. The last show, of course, I'm talking about the 2019 awards. Uh, her and her sister Diane and Leah uh, got up and performed together. And I, I guess that becomes a, a little bit of a, a beautiful statement on the, the full circle of life as well. Yeah. Yeah, she, you know, as usual, gave an outstanding performance um, and was there with her sister and daughter by her side as they were in, you know, always in life and uh, still in death. And I know Leah was at her side when Joanne transitioned. Um, and Leah, you know, I, gosh, I've seen her grow up over the years. So I, I really feel very strongly for her. Um, I kind of feel like we as a family really need to look after her because um, she's taken a, a huge loss right now. But Joanne's performance was outstanding. It was, you know, all her idea, what she wanted to do and sing in solidarity for missing and murdered indigenous women. She looked incredible. I mean, her elegance um, was extraordinary. And I remember that performance. And I even remember her backstage with West Judy. She did the introduction with Keith for the Hall of Fame induction. And I remember I even have a snapshot, whatever made me do it. I just was watching the two interact, and, I, and it was such a beautiful sight, you know, while we're all crazy backstage. Yeah. But And then her waving on stage with Keith Sicola, I think, at the end. That's like my last <laughs> image of her. Um, but I never thought it'd be the last time I would see her. Never, you yeah. know? You know what, Ellen, you mentioning that, I was standing there with you when uh, Wes and Joanne were chatting, and I'm going to have to go back through my pictures because I think I might have a couple as well. So, Yeah, no, that was... It was really a cute interaction going on there. It, it you know, was. I mean, with two it's well, well-established oh, yeah. uh, celebrities, so to speak, and the interaction was really adorable watching them. So, yeah, check those pictures, yeah. It's been heartwarming to see all of the international tributes. I mean, we're talking uh, big, big publications talking about mm -hmm. Joanne's legacy. You just uh, contributed an op-ed to Syracuse as well, the Syracuse Times. Correct. Uh, Syracuse.com has it live now, and I think it's going to be in Sunday's paper um, for a nice spread on, on Joanne. And even uh, condolences from some friends. I even pulled one of yours, Brett, so look, you're included there, but, you know, other artists who share their substance. Um, Joanne's legacy, you know, so hard to define because she did a multitude of things, and she was so large in life. Um, I can tell you first, her heart was huge, and no other artist was there to support other artists more than she, you know, whether, and never felt... Uh, that she was competing against anyone. She always wanted the best for everyone. And she had mentioned it sometime back, a Wilma Mankiller, who was at the first award show, I think had said to Joanne, live your legacy. You know, what's your legacy? So I think with that in mind, Joanne operated um, to knowing, you know, what she was creating her legacy. For me, looking back at her, I mean, she was a friend foremost, there to support me. Um, in the launch of the awards, you know, to make Native American music history, 
we were there together when I helped get the first Grammy category created, and she was among the first nominees uh, for Peacemaker's Journey. So when we had that first category of the Grammys, we went together and celebrated. She was in a beautiful white buckskin dress, you know, and and even though she didn't win, I think Gathering of Nations had won that year, she was still so gracious and so happy because we were moving forward. Um, so, you know, first and foremost, Joanne wanted the best for everyone. Um, and then, you know, her talent is infinite. There was nothing she couldn't do, whether sitting down with a guitar sounding mesmerizing and, and beautiful or with her sister and daughter in their um, vocal trio to a band. And she could do a perfect blend of her Iroquois traditions and Oneida traditions into native music, you know, whether going from traditional language to English and spanning every genre. I mean, I, I don't think there's another artist out there who's performed so many different music genres so well as she, you know, from folk to new age um, to even country. Her last album was released in August. It's a country album. And it actually has the song Missing You, which she performed at the award show, the last award show on it. But uh, she did that so well. And, and it, you know, great quality of recording. Never sacrificed in her work. Um, you know, she always gave her best. Um, and beyond that, you know, she got involved in so many other things. The Hiawatha Institute for Knowledge, preserving um, the culture there. She was on a Native American task force during the Obama administration. She you know, traveled the world, performed for Dalai Lama and, and uh, Nelson Mandela and went to Rome, you know, for the canonization of uh, the first Native American saint. I mean, it was endless what she could do. Um, so it's a huge legacy. But, you know, for me, again, it's I, I feel like I've lost a beautiful friend um, and one of our our greatest Native music recording artist, by far our matriarch, and so much so that she could be considered the queen of Native American music, just like Dolly Parton was for country and Madonna for pop. Uh, Joanne was our queen, really. Oh, I can't thank you enough for your insights, your memories. Uh, and your fitting tribute to a beautiful woman as well. Ellen, I, I certainly hope we can get together soon uh, for the Native yeah. American Music Awards, and uh, it's always a pleasure and an honor to be able to catch up with you. Here too, Brad. So good to hear your voice, even though I don't see you in person. So good to hear it. Thank you. To you 49ers out there, this is to you.
Welcome back. If you're just now tuning in, you're listening to Gyno. The song winding down that block of great tunes is After the 49, Joanne Shenandoah from the Loving Ways album with the legendary Paul Ortega. We're going back to, I believe, 1991 with that track, yeah? Oh, it's been quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> and After the 49, do people know what that is? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, all right. Well, let's talk a little bit about that then. Uh, it's a little bit of an inside joke, and I'm assuming uh, that, you know, at least a few people know what the 49 is, but go ahead. <laughs> well, I think, yeah. Um, sin- sincerely, um, back in the day, you know, I guess we would call it snagging somebody, but <laughs> after the powwow. <laughs> the after and party. Having, having some fun, but I just... I wrote this song on the way um, to the studio, as a matter of fact. I had Leah writing down the lyrics for me. And I said, hey, let's do a song about the 49. And she was like, okay, I'll write it down. And so she wrote it down for me. And um, I'm really proud of my daughter. She's uh, amazing. Uh, Getting her PhD at Cornell. um, You know, and this uh, particular album you just heard, or the song you just heard from the album Spectra, um, she did with Arrested Development. Mm. So... You never know where your path is going to take you, but after the 49, it brings back a few memories.
focus on just what we don't have instead of what we have right. there and we lose the the grasp of life the, the beauty that life has to offer us right. so if we can say oh my gosh i'm so grateful i'm so grateful today for this for that for that and instead of what i don't have right. you know just because we can't go to the store i mean i think we could probably go through our closets at this point <laughs> <laughs> <Right. laughs> you know yeah. welcome back to this very special edition of gyno if you're just joining us right now of course uh, we're doing a tribute for the late great joanne shenandoah who sadly passed on in the month of november and i have the great honor of being joined right now with daughter Leah, the only child of the famed songstress. And uh, welcome to Gyno today, Leah. I know this isn't the best of circumstances by which uh, we're talking, but I certainly thank you for coming on the air and sharing a few thoughts uh, about your mom. Uh, my yeah. condolences to you and the family. Oh, yeah, uh, Brett, and thank you for having me. Um, you know, my mom really loved you and your show and you know, we consider you family. You're you're a great guy, and we really love the work that you've been doing. And um, you know, I'm really honored that you're honoring her and all of her contributions as a you know indigenous songstress um, and dare I say icon, you know, to our people. And you know, it's just apparent um, after her passing, all these beautiful uh, messages and cards and uh, outpouring of support from people honoring my mom and her legacy and uh, you know something she was very passionate about was um you know and I, i've said this before um and basically her her superpower was making everybody feel loved and important and getting everyone excited about their passions and gifts whatever it may be and as her daughter, I feel honored that she believes in me and my art and my music. Uh, she's just a huge supporter of that. Um, she told me once that, uh, you know, she would rather me be poor and happy doing what I love than working in a cubicle somewhere. And that is from her experience as, you know, she used to be a computer programmer in the 80s. Mm -hmm. She was a total um, 80s power, uh, you know, power suit woman driving the BMW. She worked 18 hour days. You know, she was a total shark. Um, she was offered $200,000 a year to start a minority run women's firm in DC. And, um, the person uh, asking her to do this, you know, they had a meeting and she's like, I want a Porsche 911 Cabriolet on my front lawn by 9am tomorrow morning. I want, you know, this and that. And they were like, done, done, whatever you want. And she's like, you know what? I'm just pulling your leg. I got to go staying in. <laughs> You know, when I heard the story, I was like, come on, why'd you do that? You know, <laughs> and it's funny because as a little kid, you know, it was very shocking moving from Maryland uh, in the 80s up to Oneida, um, where, you know, I went to Stafford Valley. And it was very, you know, there was, you know, res life and, you know, country life, which I was not accustomed to. I was, you know, decked out like Punky Brewster <laughs> and all matching head to toe everything. I looked fabulous, but, you know. <laughs> 
Cup State wasn't ready for me yet. Yeah. <laughs> so it, was, it was a culture shock, <laughs> you know. It was wild, and, and I, I, I didn't fit in, and it was weird. But, you know, when I think back um, to what she said, and that's, you know, that how brave of her to leave, you know, what, you know, colonialism has taught us as important as money and things like that. Um, she left all that in order to come home. Um, she saw a tree being uprooted and to make space for new office buildings. And she was feeling uprooted herself and decided, you know, I have to go home. I have to sing. And that's what her native name, Degali Wakwat, was. She, uh, she sings. And, and mine is Gahawito, uh, which means she carries it along. Um, so I feel like I do that in my own life, um, with my own passions, because um, her and I have different styles, you know. Um, and it's kind of funny, as I told you earlier, we're, um, we're actually going through her stuff today um, to give away to the friends and family. And um, I found quite a bit of my clothes <laughs> in her clothes, which I've been missing for a while. So hey, That's where that know, we, we definitely, Yeah, we had like a, you know, sister, sister vibe kind of going on, sure. you know. And, and I've been there, you know, obviously my whole life. Um, watching her grow as an artist and all the people's lives she's touched. Um, but, you know, if, if we hadn't moved up here when we did, I would not have known my grandma, Macy Shenandoah, who was the Wolf Clan mother. And she taught me art and she taught me about, um, you know, the no face doll story and to be humble and a good, good mind and have a good heart. Um, and she also had that all encompassing um, matriarch vibe where everyone felt loved and safe. Uh, with her and you know just having these powerful women in my dna and now as as you know protectors from the spirit world i can feel them um you know guiding me um uh, my my grandma actually edits my artwork when i'm working sometimes i'll hear her and you know she'll be like no you're crazy put that down or something you know and stuff like that and i'm sure my mom will do the same um with my music because Anyone who's seen us record in the studio, like that is a full-on diva fight. Um, and that's because we're so similar, right? Sure. And that's why, um, you know, we we did. Uh, and then, like I, I also say, I, I knew her better than she knew herself. And um, she was never a depressed person. She was always bubbly and happy and wanting to have, you know, a good time and and her and my son were just the cutest thing ever. Like I never, I didn't see many grandmas her age, you know, jumping around in the bouncy house, but she was, she was, and I don't even do that. You know what I mean? Like she was, she was all over the place, just, just having fun with Loved him. Every and, second of it. Oh yeah. They were just peas in a pod. That's, that's the hardest cool. thing about this is, um, you know, seeing if he'll, how he'll uh, deal with it. But you know, I, I'm, I'm now, uh, responsible for, I mean, I've been responsible for him, obviously, but I want to um, take care of him and my, my stepdad as well as I can and, and my little dog, you know, and it's weird. Um, the house is so empty without her. Um, just her, her presence is just huge. You know, it's, um, she was always like laughing and on the phone and stuff. And it drove me nuts back then, you know, but I, I, I'm heartbroken. I, I'm still in shock. I don't know, you know, how, um, what life's going to be like without her. It just doesn't seem real because she seems so vibrant and full of life. But 
One thing that I think that her fans maybe didn't know was that, you know, since she'd been sick and given three months to live in 2015, um, you know, I think she'd been struggling a lot physically. And because she's a performer, she could hide that. She could um, put on that strong me. face. Oh, yeah, definitely. So she, you know, I think she was in a lot of pain and um, just really trying to tough it out. And I think she would have kept going if she could have, but her body you know, couldn't take it anymore. Um, and, you know, the day before she died, we watched uh, School of Rock and Elf, and I gave her one of those little shampoo cap things and was doing her nails and singing to her and um, dancing for her, and she's, you know, laughing and rolling her eyes and feeding herself, and, you know, she was doing really good, so it was really a shock. Um, but, you know, I, I have to think about being grateful that I had 40 years with her and that, uh, you know, this is creator, creator's decision. It's not mine. Um, and her, you know, beauty and compassion and love is felt, you know, eternally through her music. And, you know, the amount of lives she touched, um, anytime she felt bad about herself, I would say, remind her, like, you know, you're basically a superhero. You've saved people's lives with your lyrics. Like, um, the song In the Middle of the Road, people didn't commit suicide because of that. And that that in itself is just amazing, you know. And then also the work she did with former attorney um, Eric, or Attorney General Eric Holder, um, how they had the American Indian children and the Alaskan Native children exposed to violence um, task force. My mom was the co-chair and, you know, she had listened to all this testimony and, um, you know, they helped um, enact, you know, millions of dollars of funding towards that. And, you know, she, she did all this work pro bono. And I think that was partially what led to her demise because taking all that in without proper um, therapy or spiritual cleansing, probably, I can't imagine it didn't take a toll on her, you know, um, that was really hard. So, you know, the fact that she did all that is just, that's some superhero stuff. You don't know, that's like several people's lives put in one. And she, she'd always had that, that, that vibe and always wanting to help people. And I mean, I can't even count how many benefit concerts we've done. I mean, it'd be nice to know actually how many concerts we've, at, we've actually done because I have no idea. Like, it's, we did over 200 one year, you know. Wow. And um, that, that's the type of training you can't buy. Um, she raised me on the stage. The first time I sang with her professionally uh, was when I was five, and in front of 5,000 people at the Milwaukee Summerfest. And um, I didn't know fear. You know, she had me singing um, the song Rita, and I got 25 bucks, and I would just spend it at the powwow. You know, I was really, really happy just running around, and, you know, I... I I grew up on the road. I grew up on the stage. I grew up doing all these yeah. things like recording, and um, I want to pass on that, you know, those skills if I can to people who are interested in my community, and for the youth, for my son, for his cousins, for his friends. You know, like there's there's a big um, need for that uh, creative support, and um, that's something that I'd like to do to honor her and my grandma's uh, legacy is <clears throat> to turn. Um, our home into like a cultural center. Sure. 
and uh, focus that on, you know, the arts as far as traditional and contemporary Haudenosaunee arts, um, doing music and metals and textiles and, you know, uh, traditional crafts and things like that. And this is what all my schooling is um, centered around and also through my experiences with my mom and my grandma. Um, so it's something that we're, we're focusing on. Um, my grandma also has the largest a collection of Haudenosaunee artifacts in the world. And so that's something that she always wanted um, to have as a, a collection and museum. And, and, you know, if I can dedicate the rest of my life, you know, honoring them and creating a, a safe and creative space for my son and, you know, his cousins and, and you know, something so that the youth and our next generations coming up, that would be, that would be stellar. And I would feel um validated and doing that and and honoring my mom so you know this this time is really hard and it's showing a lot of things that um you know I didn't know before and there's been a lot of struggle too but um she was laid to rest at um Hamilton College which was started by Chief Shenandoah um and Samuel Kirkland and so it was a really beautiful spot and um I think she would have liked to be there. So it's like a very historical, you know, um, place to be laid to rest. And, With some really and, personal and ties, too, yeah. Yeah, totally. That was, you know, and we're direct descendants of Chi Shenandoah, and then um, we actually live in at the house he lived and died at the age of 110. Um, so, you know, there's definitely some strong ties going on there as our ancestors and and, um, you know, that the place that we decided on um, at Hamilton College was so that because she was a public figure, you know, she was she did belong to the world. She she was my mom, but she belonged to the world. And I had to come to terms with that over my life as much as I would fight at that time. Sure. Um, so I think that, you know, it, it was a beautiful ceremony. She's um, she's somewhere you know, that is um, just, it's a, it's a gorgeous place and it's, it's uh, not too far from where Chief Shenandoah was buried too. So you know, it just seems very, it's like um, poetic and, yeah. and powerful. And it felt right. When I had heard about the suggestion for that, I felt a lightness and I got chills, which is the first, you know, positive uh, feeling I had had since she passed. And, and I have to follow those urges and, and listen for her, you know, for her guidance and, um, you know, just allow the emotions to come as they will and not beat myself up over it. You know, it's a lot going on and it just still seems so surreal, you know. Um, we actually lost my Uncle Jerry also recently and <clears throat> our family's been having a lot of struggle happen. Um, I got COVID possibly at the hospital when I was there with her and my son and my dad got it too. So, you know, it's making its rounds, and it's just such a horrible time for so many people. And, um, you know, I, I had already been kind of a hermit before this, and I was like the most paranoid, you know, sanitizing type there is. And, you know, then this happened. And this is the timing's crazy, but, you know, um, I'm just, just going to keep doing the best I can, and hopefully I can uh, graduate next summer. Um, my mom wanted me to, 
Don't um, you dare quit. She won't let up on you. You know that. <laughs> no, she won't. She's going to harass me. They, they did mention that. And she said, you know, oh, absolutely not. Yeah. You know, yelled at me. Hey, all right, fine. So, you know, and there's, there's um, you know, there's, I found the file that said, you know, unfinished music of hers, you know, to something I, I could look into. And, you know, her, her, um, discography is crazy, right? Oh, like yeah. if you ever look at it, and there's just a hundred songs, and I was there pretty much for all of them. You know, um, my mom and Doug were testing me one night um, to see if I knew, you know, this or that song, and um, I knew them all. <laughs> like I don't know necessarily the names of them, but I know all the songs. Sure. And so that's cool. And and one thing I was telling um, someone recently was that, you know, sometimes if she had a cold or something, um, I would sing for her when we were on stage, but I would, like, sneakily do it, you know? Yeah. So I don't think anybody knows that. Ventriloquism act. Insider <laughs> tidbit that people didn't know. But, you heard it here you know, first, I, folks. I, yeah, it's just really funny because she, you know, she'd, she'd be like, oh, man, can you help, you know? And I'm like, yeah, sure, and, and people didn't know that, you know? And there's so many tricks to do on the stage, That's too, right. and then... Well, it was really funny, too, that my Aunt Diane and I, I know it frustrated us, is that she did every song differently every single time, oh. so we always had to be on our toes, because we would be the ones left out, like, uh, looking like we don't know what's going on. Oh, you know, I noticed that real quick, Leah. <laughs> <laughs> she, did whatever, she did whatever she wants, oh, and you yep. on your toes. That's a very old-school way of performing, too, yeah. Oh, yeah, it is, and that's, you know, I'm a good improv yeah. singer now because of that. Sure. And I can't tell you how many embarrassing, you know, uh experiences on the stage but it builds character right and it's it's training that you can't buy and and i am grateful for that like i know what i'm doing when it comes to that stuff um you know as far as you know taxes or you know real world stuff like that not as much (laughs) i'm learning (laughs) teaching myself (laughs) but you know it's those other things are you know that's what made her an icon and a legend and you know she she's irreplaceable no one ever came close like other people you know definitely very powerful and wonderful in their own right but she had her own thing and because she did whatever she wanted and um you know she brought me to my first rave when i was eight in germany i was four in the morning and um you know i was a big raver and so i'm pretty much in my mind <laughs> I mean, i'm not gonna clock any raves anytime Oh, I know my phone's be like, oh no, you're you're bad at PJ. I'm sad, <laughs> but no, she um, you know, she introduced me to such amazing things, and we went to Ibiza, and that's the first time that I DJed, you know, and there's all this cool stuff. Like, she paid for my first tattoo when I was 15 in in Spain, and um, you know, just she lived a restrictive lifestyle growing up, as far as she was Seventh Day Adventist. And then she she switched because it didn't align with her her views, and she never forced religion on me. She never um, she let me think for myself and be my own person. And she wasn't um, very she wasn't um, super strict with me because that's the life she lived, you know. And so I think in a way she got to vicariously live through me and my my wild raver days and um she supported it you know and all the fashion and stuff like that and you know she she taught me to sew when i was five and you know she really she's just a lot of fun that's what i'm gonna miss is like 
having fun with her and, and joking and teasing her. And, um, you know, there was a side to her that was just really silly and weird that people don't know about. And, um, she's just real weirdo, just like me. I just don't hide it. <laughs> she's more personable and charming, you know, but it's, it's cute. And I, you know, I have so many videos and, you know, it's, I just, uh, it's it's just it's just so surreal still. I don't know. Um you know, her music will definitely live on forever and we're gonna do whatever we can to honor her too. Um and also being okay with like letting her go and saying, you know, this is it's okay, we're gonna be okay, you know, we love you. Um and thank you for you know, our your love in our lives and um just just it's just insane. I don't. She's. I just. She just seems so young and vibrant, and I didn't. Did not expect this come to come at all right now. Um, mm. So you know, I. It's going to be rough. Um, holidays. I'm already the Grinch, so I'm sure it's not going to get much better. But I have to do things for my son's sake, and you know, we're not really celebrating um, colonial holidays and stuff. But I will do whatever for his sake. Sure. Just because, like he's. He's a little kid. He deserves fun and Leo, joy and those types of things. <laughs> Leah, your mom was a, not even a once-in-a-lifetime kind of woman. She was a once, and I already told you this, a once-in-a-500-year kind of individual. And she leaves behind such a, a beautiful legacy, and that legacy is in such great hands with you and Ryder and whatever future children are coming along as well. And uh, it's been incredible to sit here and reminisce and hear memories from the person who was the closest to her in life. And uh, and you're going to do amazing work with that legacy. And I can't wait to see what happens once you finish up school and, and with the cultural center and everything that you have going on as well. I have no doubt that that legacy is going to continue to shine brightly with you as well. So I can't thank you enough for joining me today on Gyno. Yeah, definitely. So we'll be um, probably having a memorial and fundraiser to try to take care of the mortgage here in order to uh, create this cultural center in honor of her and my grandma. And also um, we do have a GoFundMe page that we're, um, you know, I can share that with you to the link or whatever, but um, to help with, you know, costs associated with, with that also. So, you know, we're, we're doing the best we can and I appreciate uh, you having me on today and, and honoring my mom. So, yeah, I'll go. Dear Gordon, have a beautiful summer of peace. It's the white pine tree. And on top stands an eagle who's our protector. That eagle calls out her prayers out to join hands together as one, no matter what race, religion, or age, because we can all find shelter in this beautiful tree of peace. I hope you'll join us there. And there will be peace on earth. Plant that seed in the ground. Watch it grow.
Well, what is it we take with us when we leave, and what will our legacy be? A, a very beautiful teacher of mine, Wilma Mankiller, who was an incredible mentor, and she was the travel chairwoman of the Cherokee Nation in Oklahoma. Um, you know, I'm in her book, Every Day is a Good Day, um, and I'm one of the chapters. And when she came to see me and visited for a week, um, she asked me this question, what will your legacy be? What will you leave behind and how will people remember you? So you think about those things and you say, oh, wow, okay, there. Like, you know, are we worried about what kind of car we drive or how we're going to get through this or, you know, the, the suffering around the world and the violence and all those things that people are focusing on that we could just simply say, I want to be remembered for for the beautiful words that I said or for the vibration of the music. You know, and I told her, I said, that's an incredible question, isn't it? Mm, that's something to ponder on every day, I think, yeah? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. It's like, okay, so what will we be remembered for when, when we um, make our journey to the spirit world? Um, what will people say generations from now? And that's what's so beautiful about um, some of the, the works that we've been you know, involved in. For this and past episodes of Gyno, log on to gynomusic.fm or nv1.org. Also, to discover more music from incredible indigenous artists, be sure to check out the Native Artist Directory at nativeartistdirectory.com.
Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.